The Chet Calvick Podcast Network. You Angry Men. A podcast featuring a legendary baseball player and a legendary sports broadcaster. Two Angry Men. And now here's your hosts, Chet Cobbing and Denny McLean. He is angry. He is outrageous. He is prolific. He is funky. He is Denny McLean. The last Major League Baseball player to win 30 ball games in a given year way back in 1968. There will never again be a 30-game winner. I'm Chet Coppock here in the Windy City of Chicago. It is New Year's Eve, a great time to uh, ring out the old, ring in the new with my good friend Denny Mack. All right, pal. Down in Lubbock, Texas Tech, uh, people are screaming fire. Gerald Myers, athletic director at uh, Texas Tech. Mike Leach, offensive genius, a guy who turns out quarterbacks, turns out prolific offensive football teams, gone because of this alleged maltreatment regarding a concussion. When I read what transpired with uh, Adam James, I could vomit. That being said, you have the same feeling I do right now, that Craig James, part of the Pony Express, is somehow playing the role of uh, Little League father in this thing. Absolutely not. He's playing the role he should be playing, a man who is worried about his son, a man who takes great pride in his children and his family and has put forth his, <coughs> excuse me, his reputation and his children way ahead of anything else. Craig James, you know, while he wasn't the greatest football player in the world, he, he was a pretty good player. He understands the nature of the game. That's, you know, people are overlooking one thing. Craig James knows injury. Craig game, Craig James has seen many injuries. He's seen a lot of concussions in people. He knows what happens when a guy gets hurt and then is made to go out there and play, God God forbid. Or, in this case, this coach, this coach Leach, not only, you know, has he been fired, but there's got to be something more you can do to him. Maybe you lock him in the bathroom with the lights off for about three weeks and see how he accepts it. This was wrong to do to this kid. All this kid, a concussion. We're talking about something serious here. And to think that the coach would go that far is nuts. And let me also say this. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, he signed a new deal for $12.5 million. Right. He had $800,000 bonus coming today. That bonus is now gone. Although, I'll give you Denny McClain prediction. When this lawsuit is all over with and all the screaming and hollering is done, Leach will wind up with about a $10 million settlement because I don't think Leach can lose a lawsuit just based upon the things. Now, had he sent... Adam James into a game with the concussion, maybe he, you had something that he couldn't win any money with. But he didn't do that, at least that. Uh, and the bottom line here is Craig James is doing the right thing. The school did the right thing. You know, and this school has got a history of hiring goofy guys. They hired Bobby Knight, too, to run the basketball program. So Leach, is, Leach has been, they say, at least quirky. And uh, whatever the hell quirky means, I think we now a little bit we know now, a little bit about it. Hell, he had one guy, had one of his kids who we got mad at one day. He told him to bring his desk out from the classroom and work on his books on the fifty yard line. I mean, this kid is this guy is uh, an accountability freak, but he doesn't know how to go about it. Do you think that means a damn thing to the alumni down in uh, a hick town like Lubbock, Texas? Given the fact that this guy has won eighty four games over the last ten years, has made uh, Texas Tech a power in the Big 12 Conference. I mean, Denny, I hear everything about what you're saying. But number one, you say Bobby, Bobby Knight is, uh, is a nutcase. He went down to Lubbock, got hired by Gerald Myers, took him to the tournament six consecutive years, basically put their basketball program on the map, filled the arena. Tell me what Bob Knight did wrong. 
let me let me say this to you. Bobby Knight was a winner. He's always been a winner wherever he went. Now, <clears throat> if we are going to continue, and I suppose we will continue to go, just like Michigan went for years, the bottom line here is simply this. If all you want to do is win, then you hire people like this. If you want to help men, young men, become better men and do the right thing in their life, you don't hire guys like this. To these guys, there isn't anything more important than winning. They will sacrifice. They will pay. They will be. They will bribe. They will do anything that they can to win. That's what their whole purpose in life is. That's their mission, and they don't give a damn who they go over, how they go over, and how they get it finished. Danny, National Football League teams don't really hire team doctors, as you know. Physical organizations, medical centers, bid for the right to become Team doctors for the Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers, what have you. So when you got a ball player who's got a high ankle sprain, who's got a hip pointer, maybe suffered a mild concussion the previous Sunday, hello, which way do you think the medical staff is going to lean? Well, they're going to give him a couple of pills for the pain and send him out there. Exactly. I mean, listen, uh, no question about it. We're now you're talking professional football. I think it's a, it's a different line in professional football. And at this at that point in time, you've got a man who can speak for himself. In college, they got a free ride in school. There's most of these kids are trying to get their graduation done. Most of them are trying to get their education behind them. They got a commitment that they made to the school, and they're all trying to get all that completely done. The bottom line is these guys. Who take a paycheck? It's a different world. They know when they can speak up. They've got agents. They got lawyers. They got accountants. They've got everybody around them that will give them the advice to do whatever is necessary. But now nah, you you can't confuse the two, Chet. The, the two aren't even close to each other. As you've always said, and I agree with you 100. percent The damn NFL is driven only by one thing: gambling. There is if, if the gambling world didn't exist, the NFL would be in the pooper. You know, DMAC, I want to talk about that in a moment. But uh, back to the original point that you made about uh, about Craig James, about Texas Tech, and where this whole thing is going. This will never go to trial for one reason. Texas Tech is too vulnerable right now. Texas Tech could conceivably be very embarrassed by what Mike Leach might have to say about what has been going on at the university. Conversely, if you're Leach, your name is already so sullied. It's going to take a long time for someone to hire you in any capacity on the pro or college level. So there is going to be a settlement. In fact, it will be a settlement large enough. You you mentioned the figure $10 million. I'm not quite that high. I think Leach is going to wind up settling for about $8 bucks, which means he's got four generations of Leaches already covered right now whether they work a day or not. Well, <laughs> he sure does. But you know what? The, the alumni, as you indicated earlier, really drives these programs. And the alumni, uh, I'm sure, work very closely with the coach. Uh, the alumni mm-hmm. bear some responsibility here, too, because the alumni very seldom ever says anything negative to a coach that's winning. I mean, that's what it's all about. Two, four, six, eight, who do we appreciate the coach as long as he, as long as he wins 84 ball games in a number of years? Uh, you know, everybody bears some responsibility here. And you're right about one thing. If somebody puts a quarter in leech and he doesn't get the money he's looking for, he will absolutely destroy and collapse the program. Number two, one other thing. You said you don't think he'll be back in the game very soon. I'll guarantee you he's coaching a team within 12 months. No question in my mind. It may, And I don't think it'll be an NFL. 
I think it'll be somebody like an Idaho or a Utah. He will have to go to a school like that. Not to say that they're bad schools, but he will go there and he will do his thing again and again and again. These coaches never get fired. They just go from school to school. Now, it breaks my heart, but let me tell you why you're exactly right on target. Let this thing settle down for about two or three months. Get the yep. settlement taken care of. Then have Mike Leach go on uh, ESPN with uh, with Chris Fowler and uh, Kirk Herbstreet. Let him do hosannas about uh, how this experience has taught him to be a, a new man. Mike Leach has truly found out what he's really all about through the help of uh, uh, his religion, his family. And you're probably right. It will not be in uh, 2010, but in 2011, he'll wind up being a head coach somewhere. It might be Bowling Green. It might be some school in the MAC. It might be some school in the, in the Western Athletic Conference. But Mike Leach will be a head coach for one reason, Denny, because the athletic director can tell any alumni who screams bloody, bloody murder, guess what? This guy is going to win 10 ball games and take us to bowl games. And you know what? The alumni want winners pure and simple. It's all about money. The alumni gives more money if the teams are winning. They don't, they aren't so generous if the, if you've got a 500 college team, but boy, they are kings of the wallet when they are doing what this guy Leach did. Now, get to the NFL for, for a moment. I know you've got some strong sentiment on what happened in Indianapolis in the Jets game the other day. So do I. Um, what happened was wrong. It, uh, people go out there, buy a ticket, they expect to see certain things. The things did not occur in the Jets, the Indy game, and that's a sad commentary on what the NFL is all about. Well said. Here, here is what bothers me, number one. The fans who paid good dough at Lucas Oil, this is not an exhibition game. This is a championship schedule ball game. Don't give me this crap about, you know, we're, we're doing our best to be ready for the postseason. Here is, here is some guy making $35,000 a year with a family of six, and he, and he scrounges up the dough to take his little boy to see the Indianapolis Colts and see his heroes like, you know, Peyton Manning and Dallas Clark. And all of a sudden in the second half, he's watching a glorified exhibition game. Then above and beyond that, Denny, as you said, and I've said this many times, pro football is driven by gambling. Take away pro football or take away gambling from pro football, and the NFL is soccer. So those people who bet the ball game got cheated. And those are the very people who drive the NFL. I mean, I mean, for example, I can't think of anybody here in Chicago unless they were somehow attached to the lure of Manning going 15 and 0. And hello, you take Manning out of the ball game, who would watch that game unless they were gambling on the ball game? That's right. But it still gets down to, uh, you know, you talk about the gamblers. Gamblers are adults, and they're the guys that really drive the game, as you said. But you know what? I feel sorry for the dad that, that bought Absolutely. $200 worth of tickets, the $10 Coca-Cola or the $14 hot dog, went out there to see them win another game. And in the second half, of course, uh, the big guy didn't play much. Never again would I ever go to an NFL game if I was an Indy fan. That was absolutely wrong. It was callous. Nobody, nobody has supported it. You know, but it was interesting today. Uh, there was an interesting article. Uh, the owner of the indie team said, "Oh no, that was fine. There was nothing wrong with it." Listen, I mean, come on, don't be an ass the rest of your life. I mean, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me that something like this could go on. And the NFL, the front office, the the butt kissing president of the the chairman of the league, the the commissioner of the league, he hasn't said a word of anything. You know, there should have been a, they should have been fined millions of dollars for what they did. Now, but it, it, I want to go to something real quick. Tiger has a new putter. 
her name I, I her name escapes me right now, but I want to tell you if you're going to get a new soulmate, she's the one I want too. Uh, and 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 I bring that up for another reason, uh, because the athlete of the year by Associated Press is a race car driver. How the hell can that be? He sits in his car on his ass for three hours and makes left-handed turns. He doesn't hit a golf ball. He doesn't hit a baseball. He doesn't dribble a basketball. All he does is keep going around the same circle. And he's number one out of everybody in the United States. Now, listen, what about Tiger Woods? What about Bryant, the rapist? What about Pujols from St. Louis? I can name 20 more, Chet. How the hell does a race car driver... I almost compare it to the, to the WWE. That's the kind of shtick they do. They fight with each other. They push with each other. But it's all driven by what? Budweiser and money. I mean, I think it's pathetic that AP stooped to this level. Mac, you ignorant slut. Do you have any idea what kind of eye-to-hand coordination is involved in making a turn when you're going 220 miles an hour? You tell me these guys, you're going to tell me these guys aren't athletes? First of all, we've got to define what an athlete is. A lot of people don't think Tiger Woods is an athlete because they think golf is recreation and not a sport, well, Tiger, which I think is crazy. You know, I, you know, I've always had a little bit of an exception to calling a, an athlete, uh, a golfer an athlete, because it, it's a specialist. A, a uh, golfer is a specialist, much like a race car driver. But Bryant's got to run up and down the court. You got Pujols, who's got to run up and down the bases, catch ground balls, and make all the throws. I mean, I might even give a vote for hockey players tonight. You know, by the way, how much news was there last week in the NHL? Well, next story, folks. There wasn't any. And uh, the bottom line simply is, I think it's a waste of time, and and it's. And it's for some reason, I think it's self-serving for AP to do this. Maybe maybe the race car guys are dumping more money into AP or they're about to buy AP, but I just thought it was brutal to give it to a race car driver. I'm sorry, although I will tell you this. Out of all the sports, they got the best-looking women. Oh, tell me oh, about tell me. I mean, the, the babes yeah, from uh, Tropicana, uh, the whole nine yards. But, you know, the first time you and I met was 1975 when I'm in uh, Indianapolis, Indianapolis, and you were, right. you were calling play-by-play for the uh, AAA ball club in uh, in Des Moines. And so I'm down there for Indy's golden era with, you know, A.J. Foyt and Mario Andretti and Bobby Unter and Johnny Rutherford, guys like that. And Janet Guthrie became the first uh, babe to uh, qualify for the 500. Denny, I loved the personalities. They were outrageous. Most right. of them tend to be from either Texas or southern Indiana. They tend to be, you know, kind of uh, uh, wickedly lovable in their own way. But yeah, I but they're, 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 much more I, they're much more sophisticated today than oh, they ever. Oh, are they ever. I mean, today, listen, today, today, these guys, these guys are walking out of Enron for all practical purposes. They, yeah, there is, in fact, that's what, you know, NASCAR's television ratings and box office dropped this year, and NASCAR is very quietly not blaming the economy. NASCAR is blaming the fact that its drivers don't have the color of a Richard Petty or the color of a Kelly Arbro, their drivers are too freaking corporate. Oh, listen, this just in, uh, another bulletin, in the, at this time in a world of female golf. Well, no story there either. I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. <laughs> um, let, let us go to one more real quickie for you. You'll enjoy this one, too. Um, Scott Boris, who is a super agent for many, many players yeah. and who has literally taken baseball for billions and billions Taking of dollars. Taking baseball by the balls. Not, 
Yeah, I mean, not not millions, folks. We're not talking hundreds of millions here. We're talking about, I don't know, probably 15, 20, 30 billion dollars over the years. Well, get ready for this one. This is the ultimate definition of greed. It's obscene. Everything that you can put a negative tone to this, this is it. Matt Holiday, the outfielder who hit 300 this year. Hell of a player. Don't misunderstand me. Hell of a player. St. Louis Cardinals offered him $105 million. $105 million. Five-year deal. Five to a six-year deal. Boris has now taken the deal and is shopping it around with other teams. Excuse me. What's wrong with me? Well, answer this question for me, my good friend. I was brought up to believe by a sportscaster here in town named Jack Brickhouse, who was very fond of a guy named Denny McLean, by the way. I he always him. said, you know what, you know what, Chester? Guys should be paid by their ability to produce and their ability to produce at the box office. I got a question for you. The Mets just gave Jason Bay $66 yeah. million. You tell me how many tickets. You, you tell me the last time anybody you know did handsprings saying, I can't wait to go watch Jason Bay swing a bat. Chet, can I tell you uh, the most honest piece of truth you'll hear from me today? Yeah. I have never heard of Jason Bay. <laughs> I didn't know who the hell he was. I thought somebody had made a mistake. I thought it was six million, not sixty-six million. I thought he was some rookie. Jason Bay, sixty-six mil. Excuse me. All right. There's hey, something I hey, want. This just in. This just in. Another one just in. Uh, there's a defamation suit filed in that uh, great fight we're going to see in a couple of months, Pacquiao versus May- Mayweather. It's, it's Pacquiao. Tell, Pacquiao. Tell, tell, me, tell me you've never heard of Pacquiao either, right? Chico. Um, the bottom line is, listen, how the hell do you, def- you defame a fighter? Come on. I mean, <laughs> exactly. their bodies are full of juice. Their bodies are full of whatever the hell else they put in them. I mean, come on. How the hell do you defame a fighter? It's like, you're, mean, saying, it's like you're saying we're defaming a stripper. It just doesn't happen. Right. Yeah, I mean, how do you say, boy, what a, pet a, what a pair of hooters she's got. Well, this guy, what a pair of hands he's got. And the problem, he better keep them in his pocket. All right, my friend, uh, Kenny Rosenthal, senior baseball writer for Fox and uh, a, an absolute baseball purist if there ever was one. He's talking about his Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, once again, he has Mark McGuire uh, off the ballot. He voted for uh, nine people, uh, Robbie Alomar, Barry Larkin, Edgar Martinez, Fred McGriff, and I didn't realize how good McGriff's numbers were over uh, over over his prime time years. Uh, Also, Burt Blyblin, who should have been in the Hall of Fame five years ago. Uh, Andre Dawson should have been in the Hall of Fame 15 years ago. Tim Raines. Go ahead. uh, Tell me why Andre Dawson, with his bat, his home run power, and tell me how many right arms other than Clemente in right field you've seen that are any better than Andre Dawson. I think if Dawson had played with a better team, uh, I I think I would vote for him, but I just you know what I measure a guy's uh, performances by the team he's with, how many times he drives in winning runs, how many times to make a difference in in a ball game, and all the times that I saw Dawson play. I'm sorry, I don't have a remarkable moment for Dawson. I mean, I saw him play a lot too, and I, and I just don't have that 
feeling about Dawson. Blylevin, you're right. Should have been in the Hall of Fame 20 years ago. McGriff, unbelievable numbers. People just don't know it. And he played in kind of a, a kind of a bad neighborhood when you think about it. He didn't get any exposure. Um, yeah, McGuire, hell, I mean, he's never going to get in the Hall of Fame. Who the hell would vote for the guy? The guy hit 70 home runs on drugs. It, it can't be said any better than that. He was on drugs. All these guys who hit 70 home runs on drugs. Why, why do they have anything coming? It's like Pete Rose. Pete Rose got something coming. He gambled on the game. He bet on his own team. Once you sacrifice the fact that you're betting on your own team, whether to win or lose, you've lost all your, all your integrity. you got no shot at the hall. All right. You know what? Uh, regarding McGuire, I agree with what you're saying. What would you say if there's a part of me that now believes that the, um, the penalties imposed upon Pete Rose, he has, he has paid his debt to baseball's society? And we, we both know that baseball wants to have the public believe it's as pristine as uh, high tea in the, uh, uh, in the United Kingdom. Sure. There is no reason why at this point that Bud Selig, using his powers as commissioner of Major League Baseball, can't announce, can't confirm that Pete Rose is now welcome back to Major League Baseball. I know he bet on the Reds. I, I, I know the guy. I, I love Pete, but I know the guy can be a scumbag on the wrong day. But the fact is, at this point in time, Denny, how long? How long do you have to pay a penalty? For gosh sakes, you know, why don't we keep Babe Ruth out of the out of the Hall of Fame? Because New York writers said he had a tummy ache with hot dogs back in 1925. When Good Morning, he had venereal disease. Well, let me uh, comment quickly. Uh, number one. There are a lot of people that should come out of the Hall of Fame. Ty Cobb should not be in the Hall of Fame. He was a racist. Uh, some people believe he was a murderer, that he killed blacks. Uh, some people will tell you stories about Ty Cobb that will make the back of your hair and the back of your head go up. Uh, the Black Sox, there's a couple of guys there that should be in the Hall of Fame. Joe Jackson but they'll never be in the Hall of Fame. But the bottom line is... They had their opportunity. They chose to go a different path. They're never going to get in. I, I, you know, to some degree, I agree, although I don't want Pete in the Hall of Fame. But um, his sin is as grave as the 1919 Black Sox. He bet on the game. And, and let me say this to you. If you ever read the complete 221-page report like I did, because, man, I Pete and it. I were close for a long time, as you know. And when I read this report and all the money they spent on this report, they never started out trying to suspend Pete Rose. They started that investigation trying to clear Pete Rose. Who the hell in their right mind would have wanted to condemn and convict Pete Rose? Nobody wanted to do that. Then all of the facts and the evidence, you just look at the checks he wrote, you look at the betting slips he wrote, and I will guarantee you if you look at that in, in just a neutral setting, you will come away with knowing that he bet on the Reds, and he may have bet against them. Denny, you know what? Going back to the time that the uh, the Dowd report was released, and uh, Bartlett Giamatti, who passed away shortly thereafter, suspends Pete Rose. I've always believed this. Rose, his legal team led by Adam Katz, they couldn't have screwed the situation up any worse. All they had to do was go along with Giamatti and say, you've got us. No low contendry. No mas. We admit yep. it. You know, I could not have made a more a, a more egregious mistake. Now I'm going to take Major League Baseball off the hook. I'm going to tell the American public just how right you are. At which point, being the sympathetic society we are, a society basically composed of suckers, 
in about three or four years, we would have said, all right, give Pete the green light, and he would have been back in Major League Baseball. I honest to gosh believe that. You're right. I, I couldn't agree with you more. All he had to do was to say, yes, I gambled on the game, and then go into his version of the story and the facts and try to stay clear of the fact that despite the paperwork that it shows clearly, I think it shows clearly, you know, I was a gambler for a long time. It shows clearly that he bet on Cincinnati. And I give you another example. He would bet like 15 days in a row, and all of a sudden, he wouldn't make a bet yeah, on the Cincinnati off. Reds for a day or two in a row. Folks, that's betting against your team. I mean, that's really what everybody believes happened. The days you don't see him betting on Cincinnati, those are the days that he was betting against them. And the, and the worst part about it is that he had all the power in the world to keep a guy out of the lineup, take a guy out early, bring a bad relief pitcher in, bring a bad this or a bad that in. And that's what makes it so bad. That's what's hanging over his head. And guys who understand the nature of the game and or betting will never allow him in the Hall of Fame. It really is a shame. But the other guys you mentioned, McGriff and Blylevin, man, I want to tell you, uh, that Blylevin, I don't understand it. He is just, uh, other than he played in Minnesota, that's the biggest problem. But, man, I, I played against him. He was as good as there ever was in the game of Major League Baseball. Hey, uh, you know what? A round of applause right now, and I'm really giving a big for Denny McClain for pointing out something as a former ball player that the public doesn't really understand. People will say, well, you know, Pete didn't bet on the Reds every day. Well, you dumb sap, wake up and uh, wake up and smell the coffee. If he yeah. bet the Reds 12 consecutive days and then laid off on a Wednesday and Thursday, his non-bet was, in fact, a bet against the Reds. That's even worse than betting on the Reds. That's right. If nothing else, it's an indication of where everything was that day. Absolutely. I mean, I have... I have been preaching that story for years i said listen if he was just betting on the game that's bad enough but he actually bet against the reds in one form or another and we'll never know the moves he made listen i was at the dinner table the one night uh, i think i told you uh yeah with him and his crew and they were talking about doing a big cocaine deal and i said you got to be kidding pete i said this has got to be I said, I gotta either be unconscious or somebody just hit me over the head and I'm in tweet tweet land. Uh, he says, no, no, they're really serious about, I said, listen, Pete, don't, don't think about it. You would not like jail. You'd be a big hero there and you'd sign a lot of autographs, but the bottom line is, and I'll tell you, if you sign enough autographs in there, you'll get a lot of free fruit. But in more ways than one, by the way. And, uh, but the bottom line, Pete, is you gotta stay away from the fruit because the fruit will kill you in there. Hey, my man. Yes, sir, out of man. sight, out of sight, a blast. His 2009 closes out. Uh, I look forward to a magnificent 2010 for the uh, tag team of uh, Dennis McLean and Chester Coppin. I do, too. And you know what? Uh, this year has been much more enjoyable since you and I started doing this shtick. I love it. I love you. And uh, 2010 is going to be one hell of a year, folks. And you stay tuned with uh, Chester the Molester and Denny McLean, and we will have a great time. I promise you that. Hey, back at you, my good friend. You take care of yourself. My love to uh, your beautiful bride. Happy New Year, everybody. Take Bye -bye. care, Denny.